Welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast, in-depth conversations on transformation with Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of the Transformation Talks podcast series. Uh, given all the listeners' feedback that we've been receiving, we have started this series and started talking to practitioners around digital marketing and the future of digital, given the major transformation that's happening in this space around MarTech, AdTech, cookies and whatnot. So today we have a very, very special guest with us. Uh, we have uh, Ferdi Agriawan, uh, who is the head of digital growth and intelligence at Gojek, Indonesia, leading on-demand multi-service tech platform, mainly known for transport, payments, and food delivery service. He's in charge of spreading the online acquisition and retention strategy of, for all Gojek B2B merchant-facing products. Prior to that, he was heading digital at Mocha POS, and then at, earlier than that at Grab, and he started his career in the international advertising agency, Group M. So with several years of proven experience working in digital marketing departments from several top companies in Indonesia, Ferdi has had a lot of knowledge to share. Uh, aside from being a full-stack marketer, he also teaches at multiple educational institutions such as uh, BNews and RevoU as a lecturer for digital marketing. Uh, he's also been a speaker at several forums globally like Tech in Asia, MarTech Summit, among others. Uh, we welcome Ferdi. Ferdi, welcome to the Transformation Talks podcast. Hey, Rajiv. Nice to meet you. And hello, everyone. Yeah, yeah same here, Ferdi. Ferdi, so let's dive right into it, right? I mean, one of the biggest things facing uh, the digital marketing industry and digital marketers and practitioners like yourself is the cookie-less future. So tell me, what is your take on the cookie-less future? Is it all hype or is it something that is going to deeply impact marketers and they need to brace for this impact. Uh, tell us your take. Um, yeah, so I think this has been around for a while and I actually, actually spoke about this a uh, couple of months ago in a, uh, in a seminar in uh, Europe. So my perspective on this would be like when we actually heard about the cookie-less word and we began as a marketer who, you know, um, understand that everything is very much cookie-centric, it's going to be like horror, horror for every one of us. And... But, uh, and the way I see it is that uh, that's what most people actually see. But if we really want to, you know, uh, win this game after the cookie-less world is being enabled, you know, at, like the moment when Chrome doesn't really accept cookies anymore, people will start to uh, opt in for another solutions. And I think that's the moment we start to, we should start to be more, you know, creative and exper experimental and probably see more toward, uh, instead of just the relying on the third-party data, which is, I think, cookies, we can also uh, rely on the first-party data right now. So I think that's the way I see it. And I think the way it's looking at it right now, uh, like the iOS 11 um, development and also uh, the things with uh, Google right now, it's pretty much, uh, and also the, uh, the ramification of a lot of uh, you know, new players coming and then also this, the CAC is actually growing that much. So I think this is going to uh, pose a lot of uh, issues, especially for those who, whose, whose campaign is actually relying so much on remarketing campaigns. Makes sense. Uh, but uh, Ferdi, where do you see uh, marketers investing more of, more of their time and energies to uh, adapt to the cookie-less future? Uh, you mentioned first-party data, but a lot of marketers don't uh, haven't been 
collecting and managing first party data effectively uh, where do you think are the uh, areas where marketers need to focus and invest what kind of teams they need to build what kind of technologies they need to bring in house or uh, you know uh, subscribe to and and what's your sort of you know uh, two three step recommendation to marketers out there on uh, preparing for let's say the 2023 sunset of the cookies um from my opinion it's going to be starting with something that um everyone already know so usually when uh, somebody asks me this i usually I tell them like how much you know about your google analytics so i think that's the first step toward um um applying this because right now you know um most people actually have a ga right when i think the way they just uh, see the ga right now in my perspective it's not really that that deep right now like relying so much on okay as long as my bouncer is not hitting that market uh in the standard and i'm actually fine or something like that so probably um so what we actually uh, try here in gojek is that we try to see the pattern of the interaction between how people actually browse our product or how people actually uh, search our um, website itself because again uh, i'm working for a merchant side ecosystem which i think if you see it most of the interaction is actually happening within the website and also app like a up in a in a in a you know in a regular basis and not really and, and then not really that uh, app centric so much so because people are actually uh, like looking at the information related to our products before they actually make any decision so we have like a lo- lot of layers of um customers um, um from a different segment and one of the pro- product the premium pr- one of the premium products that we are actually handling right now is actually relying on us on mastering the google analytics itself so what we do is that we see is there any particular pattern of uh, interaction that we can actually tap on that uh, is actually something that probably um beneficial for us to actually increase our uh, performance of our campaign itself and probably if you if it, uh, in, in my uh, next uh, idea would be it's actually the start uh, this is actually how as a marketer we should start to reward the way we calculate our uh, return on advertising spend because right now every time we talk about uh, marketing and uh, cac and also you know uh, cookie it's all about paid media right but again if you take a look at the overall journey of the customers majority of it is actually not coming from uh, us pushing the demand itself but also uh, them looking for a particular uh, search terms and also you know uh, work their way around uh, the brand itself so that's why um in gojek i really believe that uh, we need to be more than just uh, having a, an seo person working on uh, ensuring that all of our visibility is there but we're also working on our inbound marketing strategy so that all of this uh, all of this traffic that we capture um also in, uh, from seo and from uh from uh, you know for organic and from paid basis are being um, nurtured in a, a good way so one of the uh, actual example was that imagine if you can actually know that if people let's say if let's say that um a user if you identify that let's say a particular user which is as uh, which is uh, more likely to convert uh, as a you know a paying users is actually uh will actually let's say uh, browse at the minimum of uh, three pages and the moment they browse the four pages you want to probably ask them a you know a pop up uh you, you show them a pop up in your website and ask them a particular questions that will bring us to the third point which is asking the master the, ter- the mastering the first party data and also capturing uh the interaction between the customer itself so rather than just relying so much on you know um pushing people to actually convert uh, and also relying so much on one particular um objective you need to focus on what are the things that can actually lead people to that objective so 
us from the marketing, um, um, for the merchant marketing side, we usually, um, you know, do a lot of uh, asking, uh, asking from submission from the merchants. And I think it's a very good start for somebody, especially for somebody whose marketing funnel is actually quite long. And actually, and for those who are in B2B segment, it's actually quite long, right? And that's what we are trying to do. So uh, instead of just relying so much on pushing more ads on the, each of the funnel itself, we try to capture what are the data that we can capture from this merchant that doesn't require too much sacrifice of time uh, or probably effort from their side. And then afterwards, after we capture the data, that's when we start doing uh, the magic in our CRM uh, uh, tools itself. Yep. That's interesting, Fadi. But uh, if you look at Cookieless, a lot of talk is going on in the market about uh, you know CDPs, uh, you know data lakes and whatnot, centralizing all your first-party information, whether it is emails, phone numbers, and even uh, web activation data. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of uh, question about personalization uh, and how that would work uh, in a post uh, you know Cookieless world, so as to say. Uh, what's your take on uh, the uh, investment in a CDP? Do you think it is a must or do you think uh, marketers can still continue without having a, a, you know, a customer data platform that centralizes all their uh, audiences uh, in a cookie-less world? Yeah. Actually, we already have uh, some of the, you know, uh, the framework and also some of it already running uh, for in terms of CDP. Um, but right now, the way I'm seeing it is that um, everyone who wants to progress uh, in terms of uh, their strategy in digital marketing always think about one word, which I think um, usually is all about automation, right? So you want, you want to automate all of your performance marketing campaigns. You want to make it you know, working for everyone. And then you don't want to you know, bring everything in-house and also optimizing everything uh, in, a, you know, in an AI sense. But then when it comes to you know, approaching the customer itself, it's very much a little bit of robotic. Take, for example, uh, you know, the case in which um, you receive a lot of, uh, you know, e uh, inbox, uh, e email in your uh, LinkedIn inbox um, asking you to, let's say, try a product after you just received this, you know, a friend request for, from a stranger. So something like that. So um, instead of just focusing on that um, and then, you know, instead of just, because that's the way, that's the framework of, a, you know, a very performance-driven marketer, right? But not everyone is actually uh, will respond to that particular cold approach. And that's in my opinion, this is the moment when we start to see that um, it's not all about pushing uh, emails or notification automatically, but also reaching out at the right time, in the right context. So what we did was that, um, so we have some previously, uh, I think a couple of uh, months ago, we had some limitation in, in terms of our CRM system. So there were some properties that was not present there. So we're trying to crack the way around it and what and one of the things that we do with the team was that we uh, implement um, um, a strategy that we call nudges. So this nudges is actually saying at um, the way how do the customers actually progresses uh, from one funnel to another. And one of the funnel that we are actually struggling back then was that there's a lot of people who want to register for a food delivery merchant to become a food delivery merchants, but they drop off. And then almost one, uh, almost 25% of them was uh, dropping off or probably rejected because they didn't have a, a clear a KYC or know your customer's process. So they submit a, you know, a blur selfie and a, their uh, ID card is not uh, really that correct or something like that. So what we did was that we just point out the truth that one out of four people who's re who registered um, 
for uh, food delivery platform is uh, usually get rejected, right? So that kind of uh, notific- pop-up notification and that, that kind of CRM approach uh, angle is what we actually push to the customer itself. And it's actually one of the most performing uh, content that we have right now in terms of the CRM campaigns. Because, you know, that's the way we want to um, do things. So we don't want just to, to you know, personalize it in a, you know, in a micro sense that it's actually very intrusive, but we want to make it, you know, relatable for everyone and making people more cautious or more conscious about what they are actually uh, doing in our platform. That sounds very interesting. Uh, so tell me, how do you tackle the problem of silos in digital marketing, silos in reporting, in silos of data and activation when you're reg- uh, running your digital marketing campaigns? Because there are so many different pa- platforms, the wall gardens, the DSPs. How do mm-hmm. you tackle this problem? So I believe that uh, streamlining and centralizing some, everything is, is going to uh, work uh, wonders for here. So that's the thing that actually I'm actually um, doing right now. So we're working on a lot of stream data streamlining for all of the marketing touch points, because right now uh, compared to those who are sitting in the B two C side, uh, we have some products that I told you before is pretty much uh, web centric. So every conversion is actually happening in the web and instead of the app itself. And we know that whenever it's coming to the web, it's gonna be totally a different uh, CRM approach there. So we have uh, uh, two CRM tools that we use um, in conjunction to each other. One is more toward web-centric and then more toward the you know, inbound marketing part. And the other one would be more toward the app-centric. So what we are trying to do is that we want to streamline all the user properties and the app event in this part to actually talk to each other. So imagine in the long run, what will happen is that uh, we can actually onboard a users uh, to our premium, um, you know, premium product. Uh, via our website and our uh, uh, our CRM that is centric, uh, that is centralized on the website apart. And after they got onboarded, we know that their interaction is actually, you know, uh, leading toward um, them having a, a very good affinity with our product. So we want to cross-sell them to other products that we have in the app itself, uh, like we, uh, in another app itself. So we, we push them a CRM tools. Uh, we push them, a, sorry, a CRM um, uh, CRM message. And then after they convert in the app, we can actually do something else in the app that is actually personalized for those whose original source was coming from a, you know, from a cross-sell uh, source. So that's the thing that actually um, that is possible once you start to streamline all the data in one platform. The second part would be to understand the difference between funnel and snapshot. Um, as, a, you know, as a marketeer who is, has been a you know, B2C and B2B, I noticed that... Um, both are actually um, operating in a, in a different sense. And what we actually see here in uh, B2B side is more toward juggling between funnel and snapshot. So what is funnel and snapshot? So, so funnel is more toward what is, the, uh, so what is the average journey of your customer itself and when it comes to, you know, um, when it comes to more than a one month or probably in a longer uh, time span. While snapshot is something that is, we use, to, we use it to uh, report everything uh, to, uh, you know, to the team because it's actually very simple because it's actually captures the data of all the users who con- who registered and converted in the same month, right? So when you want to see the actual progress of the your marketing campaigns, you want to see the funnel itself. But when you want to communicate to other stakeholders that doesn't really you know resonate well with a funnel itself, like about the customer journey for a month to months, you're gonna communicate with a snapshot. And when we start to see things from snapshot, it's gonna be like pretty simple, like. Uh, five people actually converted this, uh, this this day, and then there were like three who actually progressed it, and then two were actually converted. But then we cannot see the full picture. So that's why um, 
I really encourage those who are sitting in a, both B2C and B2B side to start seeing the um, funnel of your customer itself. So what, what, like how long does it take? And if you can build data based on it, uh, for an average customer from a particular segment uh, to actually convert or start uh, purchasing um, a product from your platform. So that's the thing right now. And I think one of the insights that we get was that it took, uh, uh, it took an average customer uh, almost like three plus months to actually convert uh, in any of our premium products. That's, that's very insightful, uh, Ferdi, and thank you for the detailed rundown on how the uh, in-housing piece works. Uh, are you of the school that thinks that uh, marketers, most marketers need to look at in-housing some or more part of their digital to get better control and uh, effectiveness from it? Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I'm coming from, a, you know, I was in the agency back before. I, was, I never sit in the media side, but I, I've been agency for a while. I've been uh, working in a multiple um, multiple startups uh, before. So, and then the way I see it is that I think at some point of the time, when you want to, you know, kick off a small team or probably uh, starting the first digital marketing campaign, you want to start doing it uh, in house. But when you want to scale it up, it's actually agency. Some people actually have a, I mean, majority of people probably have a different uh, perspective than me. Like we need, to, we need to start with agency first, and we move to the in house. But I think the way I'm saying it is that it's going to be the other way around. Interesting. Uh, and, and that's uh, well put. Uh, what are your thoughts on programmatic in-housing and what are the kind of brands it is relevant for? Um, I'm actually doing it for uh, my past brands, my existing brands. So I really appreciate the robust insights and also the, um, the scalability of uh, third-party uh, and agency and media. Um, but sometimes in most of my day-to-day job, the transparency and also uh, the agility is not something that just won't cut uh, one probably fit to my standard so at some point of the time i realized that uh one of the things that actually make a digital marketer so great is that they have a higher degree of ownership from each of their individual product which mm-hmm. i think i uh, will explain later on um and i see that the way you can actually create a higher degree of ownership is by assigning one person or probably one team a very specific task to improve a particular brands. That's why I think uh, from, uh, from my perspective, uh, there are some part that I think it's better to be put uh, in, in-house in, in terms of programmatic part. But when it comes to, you know, scaling up, like uh, having, um, uh, like listing down all of the potential third-party medias aside from Facebook and Google and all the non-beatable part and also um, um, asking for, um, like looking out for, uh, fantastic um, disc- media discount or channel discount that's going to be coming from an agency uh, side. And I think that's the moment we, so we should start looking for alternatives aside from our uh, in-house uh, programmatic team. Interesting. Interesting thoughts there. Um, finally, um, uh, Ferdi, uh, you know, uh, as one of the final questions of this podcast, uh, would love to know your thoughts on what are the kind of transformations you see in uh, digital marketing domain over the next five to 10 years? What, what do you th- see in the future uh, being disrupted? What do you see uh, scaling up really fast? Any aspect of digital marketing that you believe is going to be 10x of what it is today? Uh, mm-hmm. Would love to know your thoughts about this. So, uh, sorry, can you uh, repeat again? I, I was saying, what is your, uh, what kind of transformation do you see in the digital marketing domain in the coming uh, next okay. five to 10 years? Okay. So this is something that I probably have, uh, you know, I have advocated in a lot of places. 
and I should talk to uh, a lot of my friends for a win. I believe that um, the way I feel is that in the long run, the d- demand for low-cost talent for digital marketing will be higher from a you know will be higher from a developing countries or probably um, or developed countries, while the remote enabled talents will be arrive in other part of the world. So I've I've been you know I have I have this uh, side gig of helping my uh, friend working on a you know educational tech uh, company, and one of the thing that we uh, we are actually selling is uh, digital marketing courses, and I noticed that there's a lot of uh, hiring partners and also people who actually hired that is coming not from Indonesia itself because I'm based in Indonesia right now, and yeah. the way I see it is that they actually get a very decent you know salary. Um, uh, in in a, in a Indonesia perspective, but when it comes to you know uh, uh, foreign perspective, it's actually quite basic. So this the way I see it is that um, there's a lot of uh, you know in the future, not only digital marketing but also customer service and also uh, probably telesales and also a lot of uh, you know uh, process that requires a tedious uh, um, tedious um, process a, t- a tedious work will. Actually, be um, you know, be, 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 will be handled mostly by remote enabled talents in uh, uh, less developed uh, or probably less developing uh, countries. And probably second would be this is something that has already been uh, there for a while. So actually, why I I start to rewatch TV again after uh, you know uh, years of hiatus of not watching TV regularly, and I noticed that uh, the TV is actually more the TV company. The TV broadcasting company is actually more and more rely relying relying on digital marketing related data points to grow its actual to, to grow its actual viewership. So what I see is that uh, there's a lot of company that is actually um, a TV company that is actually uh, gaining more or earning more not from their actual not just from their actual um, sponsorship inside the TV itself or by selling their um, you know uh, uh, their uh, sports of uh, ads. But also from a digital marketing engagement. So let's say that they want to increase their um, revenue from uh, from YouTube and also increase their engagement in uh, other platform like uh, Twitter and also uh, Instagram. So this actually, the way I see it is that in the long run, in a five to ten years, this terrestrial TV, this terrestrial TV or TV that you know uh, the usual TV, will be uh, more and more digital centric compared to. You know uh, what they actually have right now, and last but not least would be you know people are will be more critical in assessing tech-based solutions for marketing initiatives. So at the moment, you know every time there's a new innovation, it's actually quite uh, it's actually quite uh, welcome to any you know any marketer that is uh, probably new in the field. But when it comes to the long run, uh, in it in the sense that there will be more advertisers, more publishers, um, and also more opportunities out there people will be more critical in assessing it so that's why what i really believe is that the anti-fraud or the anti-fraud tools or fraud checking tools uh, like what i think most com- most of the uh, you know app tracking company is actually developing right now will probably something that is going to be big in the five to ten years makes sense and those are fantastic insights uh, uh Ferdy. thank you for sharing those with us uh, the anti-fraud uh, insights and the others as well uh, on the talent 
uh, and how it's going to transform digital marketing, uh, as well as your take and your deep insights on uh, how one can in-house digital marketing and make it effective uh, for uh, one's uh, you know, operations, so as to say. Uh, thanks so much, Fadi. Those insights were great. Uh, thank you for being on the Transformation Talks podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, and also uh, all the these different insights. I'm sure the listeners would love it. Thanks a lot. Yep. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Transformation Talks podcast hosted by Rajiv Dingra, founder and CEO of RDNX Network. Tune in next week for another interesting episode. Thank you.